Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Hey, welcome back. So this is part three of a sermon incursion. And what we're talking about is what should you be able to expect from a preacher? In other words, when they're preparing a sermon and they're fixing to spend some time with you, at least 30 minutes in some situations, some situations over an hour, it depends on what tradition you're from. But what should they be able to give you? What should you be able to take away from every sermon? What should you be able to tell? And I had mentioned before that uh, I have a lot of respect for Hayden Robinson, who was a professor of homiletics, which is preaching. And in one of his lectures that I listened to, he had mentioned how important it is for preachers to be a, a bridge from the ancient to the modern. And to do that, he said that he felt that the culture, the history, and the language were three very important factors that a, a minister should get into, a preacher should get into, before they start talking. And I'm going to throw a fourth category in there. And that's going to be archaeology. Now, this one, though, let's talk about the language. Now, in many ways, I feel like the language is the most important. Now, why is that? Why is that? It's because, really, when you get into the language of a people, and anyone who's studied other languages know you really have to kind of get into the culture. And it opens the door to their history. So literally, when you start studying a language, you can. doesn't always happen, but I think more often than not, it opens up the culture to you. Because word choice and how people phrase things and the idioms, which is... Another way of saying figures of speech, like in English we say, hey, it's raining cats and dogs outside. Well, you know, someone who's not from an English tradition might go, oh, that's kind of weird. You know, it doesn't happen in my country. Uh, you know, we actually get water coming from the sky. You know, or uh, things of that nature. And that was uh, an example that a teacher that I, I've listened to extensively, Dwight Pryor, had mentioned Language is important. It's hugely important. Now, here's what usually happens, though. All right. I don't know that if you ask a preacher, oh, hey, you know, how important do you think ancient languages are? You're going to get several answers. One answer, and this is kind of a seminaries, uh, uh, a Bible schools kind of 
the thought process is, well, you really don't have to know the languages, I mean, fluently. So we got a lot of Bible helps, and you can look stuff up. And that's true, you can. And there's a lot of really fantastic stuff you can learn by doing that. However, it doesn't always tell you context about what's going on in the passage. And, unfortunately, you can choose to cherry-pick certain words from verses to prove a point that you're trying to make, which may not be biblical at all. So, it's important from that angle. But... I'm not knocking the fact that there's a lot of biblical tools out there. Believe me, I use them. I'm not fluent in Hebrew and Greek. No, not yet. I'm trying, but not yet. So I use a lot of these tools, but you have to know the limitations. You really do have to know the limitations of what you're looking at. Now, the other answer you're going to get is you're going to you're going to hear people say, "Oh yeah, no, 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 I study Greek." Oh yes. Yeah, I, man, I, I'm brushing up on my Greek, and I've got my Greek down. And then you say, well, you know, well, what about Hebrew? And they're like, oh, well, you know, I mean, we, Paul uses Septuagint, you know, which is a Greek version of the Old Testament. And, uh, yeah, I don't understand, you know, why I have to, you know, do all that stuff. Or, the same token, they might say, oh, it's very, 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 very difficult. So, I didn't get into Hebrew that much. More often than not, from a seminary-trained or unseminary-trained person, you're going to find out that people, by and large, ministers, shy away from Hebrew. They shy away from it. By the droves, they shy away from it. Why? You know, there's a whole ton of reasons probably out there. Um, some of the top reasons I think they shy away from Hebrew is, number one, initially Hebrew is more difficult than Greek. Greek has a lot of similarities in some ways to English and Latin, which of course modern English is based on. You, we like to say that there's a lot of Germanic in English, but yeah, there is, but there's quite a lot of Latin in there too. So here's the thing. Uh, Hebrew is, in some ways, a little similar to like studying Chinese because, number one, the letters are totally different. There is absolutely nothing similar about the letters in Hebrew versus English or any other language that I'm aware of for that matter also originally Hebrew had no vowels you just kind of knew how to pronounce stuff now after a certain period of time, after Jesus' day, there was a group called the Masorites. And the Masorites uh, were in Alexandria, Egypt, and they put vowel pointings, they called it, in the text so that you could 
you know, because they were afraid that people would forget how to pronounce stuff. So they put these vowel pointings in there. So there are vowels in there, but originally uh, there weren't. And most Jewish children, when they learn from the rabbi and they go through bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah, they learn without those vowel pointings. They're reading straight from just a regular text. So now, the other thing is that Hebrew, in comparison to Greek, is more figurative. Greek's really good for science because it just kind of tells you what stuff is. And they got like five to six different you know, ways of saying love. And uh, so there's a lot of uh, very specific things that Greek tells you. And uh, the Greek mind and the, the Greco-Roman mind, which is the which is the mind that we deal with, tends to think that way. That's just the way we are. We think uh, in terms of, hey, I want to know what the meaning of something is. Gimme, 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 gimme. It's not that way in Hebrew. In Hebrew. They paint you a picture. A lot of visual things have to do with Hebrew. And uh, sometimes there's double meanings. For example, the word Shema. Shema is, uh, or Shema, if you're from Texas, they call it Shema. Yes, this is Shema. No, the Shema is one of the foundational things that Jewish people learn. It's Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one, the Lord alone. So, Shema has kind of a dual meaning to it. On the one hand, it means to hear. But on the other hand, it means to obey and it means both at the same time well if you're a Greek thinker that makes you crazy because you want somebody to just make up their blooming mind and tell you which one it is and uh, the Jewish mind is not like that they say you know you say well does it mean you know, well, what does it mean does it mean to hear yes it means to hear and you know, well, I mean, does it mean to obey? And well, yes, it means to obey. Well, well, what do you mean? You said yes on both accounts. Well, yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> so that makes people crazy. So here's the thing: you have to really stop and think like a Jewish person, and. Uh, there's some beauty. There's some beauty in there as well. Uh, a lot of Christians, uh, when they t talk about uh, Hebrew, they'll talk about the names of God, which is wonderful. Okay, I'm not knocking that. But that is, if that's as far as you go, you're still missing out. You say, what do you mean? That's the names of God, That's that's got to be awesome. Yes, it is. But there's so much more. Um, I've studied uh, Hebrew for several years, and I may not ever master it before I go meet Jesus. But here's the thing. It's a fantastic. I love the language. It's not as easy to learn. 
as other languages. But it's worth it. It's worth the time. Because if you know how they look at things, if you know how their poetry works, the um, if you know the uh, apocalyptic literature and how that works, you really begin to get in there and you understand and it's almost like you're standing there and by the way in Jesus' day they were teaching in Hebrew now let's look at Acts 22 for a second so this is Paul and he's in a he's in hot water as Paul usually is uh, and basically he's making a defense for his actions and uh, I'm not going to read this whole passage because I'm trying to make one point so starting in verse uh, in chapter 22 verse 1 it said Paul stands up and he says brothers and fathers hear the defense that I am now making before you verse 2 says and when they heard that he was addressing them in Hebrew language they became even more quiet and he said I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia but brought up in this city educated at the feet of Gamaliel according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers being zealous for God as all of you are this day so there's always been an argument that and it and it, depending on what version you're looking at it kind of fluctuates back and forth in the subcategory when you hear the, when you see hebrew it'll say in the subtext in the reference section it'll say aramaic I think it's a point in this situation that he's talking to these people in Hebrew. And Jesus taught in Hebrew. And if you know the nationalism that that uh, that I'd mentioned before that Israel went through in those quote-unquote 400 silent years, which I think is our joke, we shouldn't be saying that, because there's nothing silent about those 400 silent years, quote-unquote, you, we would understand. We would get it. So, getting back to the preacher. Does that mean every preacher needs to read Hebrew fluently? It would be fantastic if they did. If their goal, and one of their heart's goals, was to do that, I believe their congregation would benefit immensely. Over a hundredfold. I'm telling you straight up. But no, they don't have to read Hebrew fluently. But they have to desire to learn. Study Hebrew. In fact, in many ways, I would recommend studying Hebrew over Greek. Why is that? That's crazy. The New Testament's written in Greek. Okay. But when Jesus taught, he taught in Hebrew. And... Hebrew was the national language of Israel. And if you really want to know these people, 
You need to know Hebrew. Now, people will say, well, there's Hellenist people, and, you know, and that was really a big thing. Yes, it was. However, comma, let's get back to the fact that they were proud of being Jews. Extremely proud. Sometimes in a bad way, sometimes in a good way. But that gravitated them to Hebrew. So, learning Hebrew, by all means gives any preacher an advantage in blessing their congregation. I'm telling you straight up. I believe that. Because the more I study Hebrew, the more blessed I get. Literally. So, hey. With that in mind, though, I want to encourage you in your studies to look at the language, whatever, Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, however you want to approach that. And keep on keeping on. Thank you for listening to this edition of Speak It On. And as always, don't be afraid to speak the word in boldness and truth. And may God bless all of your own.